Hello and welcome to Fidelity Next, a podcast for post-secondary students, brought to you by Fidelity Investments Canada, where we'll provide you with the tools you need to navigate your impending careers successfully in today's landscape. Today's podcast features a very interesting topic. What is your investing personality? When it comes to money, everyone's different. But whether you're cautious or comfortable with risk, a complete novice or a seasoned investor, the important thing is to know yourself and your goals and empower yourself with investing knowledge. On today's podcast, Michelle Monroe, Director, Tax and Retirement Research, and Etienne Jean-Cabouchard, ETF strategist, speak with host Quinn Flaherty about the differences between investing personalities. To get started determining what type of investor you are, you can head to investing101.fidelity.ca to take the What Type of Investor Are You quiz and the On the Money Investing Knowledge Trivia. So you'll have 30 seconds here while I read this disclaimer. So again, that's investing101.fidelity.ca. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada ULC or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy or an endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. Hello and welcome to Fidelity Next. My name is Quinn Flaherty and I am the Research and Thought Leadership Manager here at Fidelity Investments Canada. On today's show, we are talking all about investing personalities. Recently, Fidelity launched a quiz that you can take, and hopefully you may have already taken, that can help you explore your own investing personality. And perhaps from the results, you ended up as a rookie investing personality. You're someone who maybe is a great saver, but hasn't really started their investing journey. Or perhaps you're someone who has started their investing journey, but still thinking a little bit more about what financial products are right for you. And finally, you may have achieved the Wall Street investing personality. You're someone who actively follows the markets, but of course, you're still looking for insights to really advance yourself and where you're at on your own investing journey. Regardless of which investing personality you have from this quiz, we're going to be providing you with insights and tips that you can take to help you on your own investing journey because our investing journeys are all unique to us. And so I'm really excited to bring two Fidelity experts into today's conversation to provide those insights. I'm excited today to be joined by Michelle Monroe and Etienne Jean-Cast Bouchard. Michelle, Etienne, welcome to Fidelity Next. How are you doing this afternoon? Very well, thanks for having us. Same here, doing very well, Quinn. Thanks for having us. Very happy to have you both and you both bring a unique perspective to today's conversation. So let's start our conversation and we're going to structure today's conversation based on each of the three investing personalities that I mentioned in my introduction. Let's start with that rookie personality. And Chen, maybe I can pose the first question to you. And that is that the rookie personality is somewhat defined by those who perhaps are great savers, but haven't taken those savings and transitioned them into investment. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of transitioning those savings to investments yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you know, saving is the first step. And I think investing is, is the logical second step, because obviously, you know, as you move forwards in your career, you're going to be generating income, you're going to be pushed towards saving more and eventually investing more. But, you know, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there, Quinn, with regards to time. 
the, the your best friend in investing is time. And the, the whole concept of finance itself is based on time value of money. So generating income on your investments, generating returns on your investments, that is a way to, I guess, progress those savings at a faster pace than you would, say, in, in a bank account, which, you know, when you're at school, yes, there's, you know, short-term financial needs that you need access to. So having some in a bank account makes sense. But the more you progress in, in your career, the more it makes sense toward, to start gravitating towards investments. And for any, you know, obviously rookie investors that might see this as a challenge, I think, uh, you know, the number one step is, is to start gathering information. And that can be from, you know, peers, that can be from uh, experts, you know, at, at firms like Fidelity Asset Manager, it can be with family who, who have experience investing themselves or a financial advisor, ideally, right? Somebody who's, who's an expert in, in this domain and will help you set and achieve goals. Because at the end of the day, the whole investing process is about achieving a certain goal. And that can be retirement and you know, income for retirement. So in a very long time frame, but it can also be for a short to medium time frame, where, for example, you're saving money to, to buy a property, buy a house, to buy a car. You know, once again, a financial advisor will help you align your investing principles or risk tolerance based on, on those goals. So once again, I think, you know, just reemphasize time is on your side. You're young. And just make sure to get it, you know, use as many resources as possible to make an informed decision. And it's a great message, Chen, that you provided there, which is just get started. Taking that first step can sometimes seem like a very big step. But once you've done that, you're going to feel a lot better about, you know, where you're at on your own journey. And Michelle, maybe I'll, the next question is a progression on that, which is once you've made that decision to invest, you've taken that sometimes giant step. The next question is where where do you put those investments? Because in Canada, there are certain areas or accounts that you can put those investments that are you know, tax preferred. And the classic question you'll see in any personal finance article is, what's the real difference between an RRSP and a TFSA? Thank you, Quinn. Yeah, it's, it is. It's a, such an important question. And I get asked it all the time. And before we really dive into what we should be doing, Let's go through some of the details of what is an RRSP, what is a TFSA, and what are some of the differences. So starting with the RRSP, Registered Retirement Savings Plan. This is an account that's specifically designed to save for retirement. It's been around since the late 1950s, a long, long, long time. So most people think they know about it, but every time I've, I've present on it, there's always like a bit of a, ah, I didn't know that piece. So let me get into some of the details. People earn RRSP contribution room, and it's based on earned income, which is essentially just employment income. So your 2022 RRSP contribution room is based on 2021 earned income, up to 18%, up to a dollar limit maximum. It's about 29000 for 2022. Now it's cumulative. So if you miss a year or you make less than the maximum RSP contribution, you can catch up in a later year. That's great. And most people know about the next piece is that you get a tax deduction when you make that RSP contribution. And um, then there's some flexibility. If you make that deduction, make that RSP contribution up to 60 days after the calendar year end. So that was yesterday, March 1st for 2021, you can claim that against your, your prior year tax returns. So the government really wants to make it flexible for people. 
And so once you have those investments inside the RSP, they grow on a tax-deferred basis. And I'm really careful to use the word tax-deferred because the income, the growth, the earnings, it's all on a tax-deferred basis. But at some point, usually decades into the future, typically retirement, you start to withdraw, you start to decumulate from that RSP. And when you draw down that RSP, that becomes taxable income to you. So let's recap, RSPs, make a contribution today, you get a tax deduction. It grows on a tax deferred basis. So the, the annual earnings, the income, that's tax deferred, but there's an income inclusion when you make that withdrawal. So let's shift over to the TFSA, tax-free savings account. This can be used for retirement, but it could be used for other savings as well. There's more flexibility there. Now, it's only been around since 2009, so it's not as well known or understood. And I really think the TFSA was misnamed. It should have been the tax-free investment account. It's really thinking about it and using it for investments. So let's get into some of the details about TFSA. Contribution room. Everybody earns $6,000 starting when they turned 18. $6,000 is the contribution room for 2022. And it's cumulative, like that RSP. If you miss a year, you can catch up in a later year. So say our viewer is 19 in 2022 and they haven't made a TFSA contribution yet. So last year, 2021, when they were 18, they had $6,000 of TFSA contribution room. In 2022, they get another $6,000. So they have a cumulative $12,000 of TFSA contribution room. Now, when someone makes a TFSA contribution, we say it's made with after-tax dollars because you don't get the tax deduction for that TFSA. Now, income and earnings, they really grow inside that TFSA tax-free. And when you make that withdrawal, they're truly tax-free. So let's recap that TFSA. We make that TFSA contribution. There's no tax deduction, but the earnings and the income, they grow on a tax-free basis. In the future, when you make a withdrawal, it's not included in income and it's truly tax-free. So, oh, I wanna put in one more thing before we get into which one's better, because that's what we really wanna know. The future benefit, the TFSA, is more flexible. If I make a withdrawal from my TFSA in 2022, I can recontribute that in 2023 or a later year. You can't do that with an RRSP, so it's not as flexible. Now, for the RSP, there are some exceptions. There's designated withdrawals for the home buyer's plan or lifelong learner's plan. But otherwise, if you make a withdrawal from your RRSP, you can't recontribute that. And that's a really key differentiator. So your original question is, what's best? What should we be doing for our typical young investor? So let's go through. What is our typical young investor, our, our stereotypical? They don't have a lot of taxable income, or if they do, they're in a low, low tax rate. So when they make that RSP contribution, there's less of a benefit there because they're getting a tax deduction at a low tax rate. So from that perspective, we'd be leaning more towards the TFSA. And ideally, holding off and making that RSP deduction or RSP contribution when they're in a higher tax bracket. 
as well as this age group, they're just getting started. They have a lot of life. There's competing financial priorities. They're looking for flexibility. Again, the TFSA probably going to make more sense because if they want to make a withdrawal, they can recontribute that in a later year. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle. And then maybe we take the conversation and transition it from the rookie investing personality to some questions maybe on the top of mind of our up and coming investing personality. And that is the, the influence of investing goals. And depending on what those goals are, that can kind of change your strategy and direction of where you put your investments and what you invest in. And maybe you can just talk about or emphasize the importance of having investing goals and making sure that you make a plan according to them. So yeah, Etienne really touched upon this. What are your goals and putting them in different buckets, short-term, mid-term, and long-term? Those short-terms are things that are five years or less. So buying a car, saving for a vacation, those midterm goals are about five to 10 years. So it might be a down payment for a condo, maybe a house. Long-term goals, those are 10 years and longer. Typically, we're talking about retirement. When it comes to creating your goals, you want to try to be specific. I'm going to use a bit of an example here. Say I have a goal, I want to get in shape. Well, I might get there, I might not. But if I'm specific about I want to run in the Boston Marathon in 2022, and I want to do it in under four hours. Well, that is a much more tangible goal. So you really want to be as specific as you can. It's tangible, granular about that goal. And when you're creating these goals, think about where am I today? So a financial perspective, what's that financial snapshot of where you are today? Where do I want to be? Well, Three years from now, I want to have a $5,000 down payment for that new car. How do I get there? Well, I'm going to save X amount every month. I'm going to save it in the TFSA because it's more flexible. And then checking in. How do I stay on track to achieve that goal? So what we're trying to do is break it down into daily, weekly, monthly, yearly pieces that make that goal achievable. And Chen, maybe the next question uh, can come to you, and that is for these up-and-coming investing personalities, they have some goals, they're creating those, but then all of a sudden they want to start investing or continue investing, and there's so many financial products out there. And specifically, you know, mutual funds and exchange-traded funds, ETFs, are, are very common and prevalent across Canada. Can you give a kind of a summary to our audience today of like kind of the key differences mm-hmm. between mutual funds and ETFs to help these up-and-coming investors? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I think just starting off, both vehicles offer great diversification, which, you know, if you start off with that as your investment, I guess, vehicle or a product that you're looking at, you're already probably ahead of a lot of up and coming investors. So thinking about diversifying away from single securities, thinking about ways to invest in a basket of securities instead of, you know, single stocks, for example. And the the two most common vehicles to to, to invest in in a, in a basket uh, are the mutual fund and the ETF. The mutual fund's been around for a very long period of time and has really really you know shown its its strength, if you will, over time. As as it, most of the time, it is actively managed. So you actually have a professional portfolio manager looking after your investments, trying to find the best securities, the best investment opportunities out there based on their convictions, 
which you can find, you know, various types of portfolio managers that you might, you know, uh, affiliate to a little bit more simply by your personality, by the types of companies that you that you want to invest in or the types of, of securities in general. And then you have, you know, the ETF, which is a fairly newer vehicle, which has been around, you know, let's give or take 20, 25 years and is becoming much more popular given its its difference in the way that we can transact it. And, you know, I often hear a, there's a lot of myths about ETFs and I spent a lot of my time trying to debunk those myths. And when I hear, oh, I want to buy an ETF because it's cheaper than a fund, that's not really the case. You know, you have to compare the actual underlying strategies that are being employed in those respective products. Because an ETF, albeit it, you know, generally comes at a lower management fee, you also have to take into consideration the transaction fee, something which is usually embedded as part of a mutual fund fee. So just right off there on the, you know, right off the bat, uh, that's one difference that should be only differentiated by the type of strategy of investing, not necessarily the vehicle itself. In terms of the way that we access it, uh, so for an investor that's up and coming and looking to either buy a fund or an ETF, both can be done via an advisor. But it's much easier to go with an ETF if you are transacting on a discount brokerage platform, by example. It is a product that is traded intraday, so you can trade it throughout the day, whereas a fund, you're gonna, you're gonna have to wait until you know, the end of each day to get the pricing of that basket. So that's another main difference there. But in terms of what you can actually invest in, you have the same flexibility with a fund and ETF. So it's about knowing what you own. And once again, trying to find resources to help you dis, uh, differentiate all these products. But there are thousands available in Canada alone, let alone in the US and, and in other regions. You know, so, so working with, with somebody who knows these products, or at least the vast majority of the products available in Canada, definitely seems to make sense, which comes in the form of, of a financial advisor. So those are some of the key differences. But, you know, we, we could go on and on about all the, the intricate differences. But at the end of the day, they're both ways to diversify your investment. Sounds a chin like we have a future Fidelity Next webcast on our hands just to fully dive into <laughs> the topic of mutual funds and ETFs. I'll, I'll Thanks for summarizing our, that. I'll, I'll plug our podcast and we do. A, a, we try to do a good job on our ETF exchange podcast to debunk some of these myths and talk about these concepts. So it's something that you're interested in. You know, it is available on the on the Fidelity Connects podcast section, if you will. So that's something you could look at in the meantime. It's a great idea. And if you want to listen to a Chen talk a bit more about some ETF insights, the podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, um, wherever you go, you can find it. So let's make the move up. So we've talked about the rookie investing personality. We've talked about the up and coming. We've now reached the top investing personality stage, if you will, Wall Street. And here, maybe the first question to you, Etienne, we talked a bit about the differences between mutual funds and ETFs. The Wall Street investing personality, many may have a bit more sophisticated knowledge of the type of products that they're looking to invest in. And beyond just choosing between what vehicle makes sense, the makeup of each product, and as you said, what's under the hood, getting to know the product, there's a lot more that the Wall Street investors can think about. Can you talk a little bit about kind of why, why asset classes make a difference between products and sector mixes, some of these other metrics that you look at? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's, so like we said, the vehicle can really give you a mix of a ton of different things. And the most important thing is to understand what mix makes sense for you in the sense that it is tied to your investor risk profile to a certain extent. So what is the volatility that I'm willing to take on as an investor? Can I 
endure, if you will, a 20% drawdown on my investments? Is that something that I'm comfortable with? Can I take even more, 30%? Because at the same time as you get upside volatility, so asset classes that can appreciate very rapidly, they can usually come down pretty rapidly. And you know, just the two broader asset classes that, that I think that are used for, for most investors are equities and fixed income. And equities, what, what they are is simply a, you know, a share or a participation in the profits of a company. And you can buy that on, on a stock exchange or obviously via mutual funds in which you can buy a basket of those instead of finding one or two or three or you know, say a dozen that you like. And on the fixed income side, it's, you know, it's what we call bonds or it's a way it's basically buying into the debt of corporations and governments to help their financing needs. And it generally comes uh, with, with a steady coupon, which is income. And it's, it's something that will display a lower volatility because it is set, it is uh, issued at a set price and then redeemed at a set price at a later date. So it's something that provides a lot of stability in the portfolio and can help mitigate some of that volatility that we've, you know, that we, that we see throughout a given market cycle. Uh, so, you know, and, and then if you take those two asset classes, then you can continue to branch out, you know, into more detail. You can go to the, you know, the, the equity sectors, for example. So energy stocks, you have financial stocks, consumer staples, consumer discretionary. So you get all different types of companies as well. And they all dis display different fundamental investment characteristics. And that's a lot of words just to say that they're very different from an investment profile. Um, so you can buy companies that are displaying what we call value. So they're trading, you know, on, on, from a price standpoint, a discount to the broad market. Or you can get com growth companies, which are growing their earnings at a faster pace than the broad market. So there's tons of different ways that we can characterize equities as the same thing we can see with, with fixed income securities as well. So, it, you know, once again, I'm, I'm kind of repeating the same thing, but this is all something that a financial advisor can help you understand and plan for. You know, and obviously there's great resources, uh, you know, either here at Fidelity or other asset management firms that can help out with that. But it's understanding what, what you own and what are your what are your objectives once again. Thanks, Etienne. There, there's obviously a lot to consider when choosing the right product for these Wall Street investing personalities. So thanks for that summary. And Michelle, you know, we're almost towards the end of our, our, our webcast here. But the Wall Street investing personality, it's kind of a accumulation of those insights that we've already spoken about. These are students or personalities who have invested for some time. They actively follow the markets. They have some sort of short, medium or long term investing goals. And while we talk about investing and accumulating, there's also the fact that there are short to medium term goals where you want to actually sell some of your investments in order to fund these goals themselves. And maybe you could speak to you know, how the Wall Street investors can really start or sell off some of these investments if they want to achieve some of their investing goals. Okay, thank you, Quinn. That's a great question. So, okay, so we're doing a great job of accumulating. One of the things I really do want to is thinking about retirement and planning for that long term and staying invested. But you're talking about these medium and short term goals specifically and how we can withdraw. And the two primary ones you're thinking we're thinking about is from your TFSA or even non-registered accounts, or sometimes called an open account. And I talked about, well, when you make a withdrawal from your TFSA, that's tax-free. So if you've triggered a gain on that investment that's held within that TFSA, and then you withdraw the, say, $1,000 from that, it's tax-free from you. Whereas for a non-registered account, 
which is also an open account. If you're selling, disposing of those units, whether it be a mutual fund, an ETF, et cetera, you're selling that at a gain, that's a taxable gain to you. So thinking about this in conjunction with what makes the most port, the best sense for your portfolio overall. And then as a secondary, thinking about the tax attributes. And I always want people to always keep an eye on that long-term investing for retirement. I'm estimating our average investor, our audience here is about 20. Maybe you're going to work till you're saving until you're about 60, which is 40 years of savings. But retirement, plan for it to last a long time. Uh, retirement could last 20 years, 30 years, or even longer. So really keeping your eye on that retirement investing as well. Awesome. Thank you, Michelle. And so we've talked through all three investing personalities, rookie, up and coming, and Wall Street, kind of provide some insights. Maybe I can ask each of you just to summarize kind of your key takeaways. Where can our audience go today? We've talked about a lot of insights, a lot of information, and stress that there's a lot of information out in the marketplace. Where can our audience go today for more insights to and it'll help them on their investing journey? Maybe a Chen, I can ask you to go first. Uh, yeah, I mentioned it a few times already, but, you know, reaching out to somebody at, the, at your bank that you're with or finding uh, an independent financial advisor, this is somebody that can just help you get your, wrap your head around all these concepts and, um, and really set those, those objectives and those goals with you. And then you can execute a plan, which is, you know, the, the end goal. So that, that's just the, the words of wisdom that I leave with, with, uh, with our audience, but just definitely, regardless of the way that you do it, just start. I wish I started earlier. Um, thankfully, we, you know, we have registered accounts in Canada that can help us catch up a little bit. But as, you know, as soon as you can start, I think it, it makes sense. And we didn't even discuss anything with regards to economic perspectives and things like that. But, you know, in periods of inflation, the savings probably won't cut it in the long term. So, Investing is definitely a way to alleviate some of those pressures. Awesome. And Michelle? I always have a few words to add. Thank you. Okay. So with this group, especially, you're young. Invest in yourself. Invest in your own knowledge and your own education. And if your goal, and I want it to be your goal, is to be a successful investor, learn about the markets. Learn about mutual funds. Learn about ETFs. Think about stocks and equities, bonds, and the list goes on and on. Etienne started talking about those. Working with a financial advisor will help to help you really create a plan and also give you the discipline to stick to that plan. Mm -hmm. The three components of being a successful investor, patience, discipline, and time. Time is a valuable, valuable resource. We've mentioned this a few times throughout this presentation. And young investors have it, and it can't be bought later on in life. So really use this to your advantage, starting early. Even a little bit will take you a long, long way. Great takeaways. Thank you, Michelle and Etienne, for joining us on Fidelity Next. We'll hope to have you back on the show sometime later this year. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again on Fidelity Next. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Next podcast, brought to you by Fidelity Investments Canada. You can visit fidelity.ca for details on future live webcasts, follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter, and subscribe to our podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a review or a five-star rating. 
Thanks. See you next time.